everyone and welcome to another episode of Traditionally Speaking. My name's Tom and together with my friend Joe, we're going to be talking about a topic that we know is dear to many hearts, gingerbread houses. Oh, gingerbread. Oh, I love gingerbread. Gingerbread men, gingerbread houses, gingerbread anything. Oh, of course, there's so many kinds, isn't there, Tom? Oh, there certainly are. Um, I mean, it's huge in Europe. I know we'll discuss that later, but um, it's one of those things where every country has its own tradition um, and there are very subtle differences in flavor and consistency. Speaking of traditions, how did it all start? I, I think it started over in Europe, didn't it? Well, that's a very interesting question because legend has it that it was the fourth gift given to the Christ child by the Magi uh, or wise men. And uh, the idea is that in addition to the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh that we, we associate with the Christmas story, um, that gingerbread was the fourth gift. And the story behind this is that there was a fourth wise man who didn't have good health and wasn't able to make the journey from Babylon to, to Israel. So he was tended by a rabbi in his poor health and as a gift to the rabbi for taking care of him, he gave him the gift of gingerbread, the recipe for gingerbread. And the tradition of the gingerbread house comes from that same legend, because the rabbi had suggested that a house be built from the gingerbread, because Bethlehem, where Christ was born, stands for house of bread. Really? So that's, where, that's where the story starts. Good heaven. I, I mean, I knew gingerbread was old. I, we have our gingerbread obviously coming from Europe, uh, especially like Germany, but I, I had no idea it dated that far back to the, to the Christ child uh, himself. Man, that's amazing. But we have to fast forward around a millennium uh, before you have gingerbread being baked um, in Europe. And it's thought, you know, according to food historians, that um, it came from sort of spiced bread, which was traditionally made in the Middle East, um, being brought back to Europe um, after the Crusades. And um, it's difficult to say exactly who was responsible for this, but um, some people say it's St. Gregory of Nicopolis, um, who lived in France, and he um, allegedly uh, taught how to bake gingerbread uh, to the priests in France before he died um, in the 10th century. So that's kind of where we believe gingerbread got its origins in Europe. Now, when they baked it, did they just take it out to the masses or um, did they keep it within the monasteries or, or how, did it, how did it take off? the way it did, because boy, I'll tell you, gingerbread is in every corner of the world, as near as I can tell. Well, the big place that's um, you know seen as being the epicenter of gingerbread making uh, is Germany. Um, and it's thought that monks were making it in Germany as early as the 13th century. Um, now, the famous form of German gingerbread is called Liebkuchen. And uh, that certainly was uh, being baked as early as sort of 1296, I think. Um, and certainly by 1395, they were making it in Nuremberg, which, um, you know, is now seen as being the gingerbread capital of the world. 
um, because they actually had skilled gingerbread bakers who did nothing but make gingerbread. Um, so, I mean, by that point, you're starting to see spices used in the gingerbread. You have things like cloves, cinnamon, cardamom and nutmeg. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, by the 15th century, you're starting to see things like gingerbread figurines and you know the traditional gingerbread man. Now, I, and that brings up another interesting thing. I, normally, the gingerbread in Europe is a much harder consistency. It's almost more like a like we would call a cookie than hmm. uh, than a bread. You yes. guys do a different uh, gingerbread, don't you, in Scotland? That's that's very true, actually. It's one of those things that varies very much depending on what area of Europe it's made. Um, in Germany, the Liebkuchen um, gingerbread is very popular. You sometimes see it coated in chocolate. You sometimes see it with a, a layer of things like, um, you know, cherry or, or, or orange, perhaps, um, sometimes apricot. Um, so there are those kind of aspects of it. Um, but also, it's a much softer consistency than the kind of gingerbread that you would traditionally buy in the UK. Um, here, it's much more like a kind of ginger biscuit. So it's much um, harder, still pleasant to eat, of course. Um, but uh, if, you're making, if you're making a gingerbread house out of it, um, it's probably easier to make because um, it has that slightly you know, harder consistency. Now, here we do gingerbread, everything, of course, the most popular being gingerbread men and gingerbread gals. Uh, but, also, of course, gingerbread houses, which I'm going to talk about in a, in a little bit. But, um, but do you guys make all different kinds of shapes and sizes and do you hang them on your trees and do different things with that? Oh, definitely. I mean, gingerbread's quite popular all through the year. And, um, you know, certainly you get gingerbread men all the way, you know, through the seasons. Really? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's strictly a, a Christmas thing around here that I've seen. As you say, it's it's a tradition with a very long history. Um, in the 17th century, for instance, uh, if you were in Europe, um, you had to be a professional gingerbread baker um, and be, you know, certified to bake gingerbread. Um, with the exception being Christmas and Easter, when anyone was allowed to make it in their homes. Um, but so you uh, weren't you weren't able to just decide to whip up a batch of gingerbread if it was you know the middle of summer. No, no, uh, so that's something that's come you know in, in more recent centuries. But uh, you know they took it very seriously back then. Um, however, um, it's one of those things that you know as the centuries progressed. Uh, more and more people were, were shaping the gingerbread into different forms. Um, you, they were starting to add things like um, iced patterns or, or gold leaf. Um, and actually, in some countries, people would use gingerbread as a, a talisman um, or uh, something that, you know, was seen as a charm that would protect them against evil spirits. So, you know, there's a <laughs> lot So how would they protect them against evil? Put it under their pillow or put it in their room or...? Well, that's the interesting thing, because people would wear it around their neck, like it was a necklace. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. But so um, Kind of like the vampire and garlic thing, huh? Exactly the same, yeah. Exactly the same idea. Isn't that interesting? And that would ward off evil spirits. Yeah. But, you know, as a result of all those old traditions, um, it started to become 
almost like a popular art form now. You know, people are, are using gingerbread as um, carvings or as uh, little buildings and things, uh, as well as a traditional gingerbread house that we enjoy at Christmas time. <laughs> and speaking of gingerbread houses, boy, in the U.S., leave it to us to take it to the nth degree. We have an annual gingerbread competition, and it is... It is nationally known, and I'll, I'll tell you, they have it every year at the Omni Grove Park Inn in Asheville, North Carolina. And the tremendous amount of talent and the tremendous variety of houses that are built and how they're built, there's an entire science behind it in the U.S., and I'll say the, the Omni one is, is an important one because you can win a cash prize. They, I think last year they gave away somewhere around $25,000 to the various winners. Uh, although the, the ribbon is the more prized item. Boy, hmm. if you win a, a Grove Park Inn uh, gingerbread contest, you're considered at the very tip top of your game. So, but it's fascinating and they allow people to, to view these for about 12 days um, during that. But boy, I'll tell you, you have to have a certain kind of gingerbread, certain kind of icing to hold it together. And there's a whole science behind this. And I'll tell you, I think I could build a regular house easier than these people build a gingerbread house. <laughs> now, do you guys have anything like that at all in Scotland? It's interesting because the idea of shaped gingerbread men uh, is thought to go back to the Tudor court. Um, and it goes all the way back to Elizabeth I because there's historical documentation that at Christmas time, she would make little gingerbread figures of the guests who'd come to stay at court with her. Um, <laughs> all sorts of Christmas traditions that go back to the Tudors. And I know that we'll be talking about that in some of the, the later episodes and things like, for instance, mince pies. Um, but they reckon that's probably where the tradition started in the UK. Um, and as a result, you know, we now have gingerbread houses as well, various different kits that you can get, you know, or people can, can build them uh, entirely themselves. But um, the big breakthrough, it's thought, um, comes in the 19th century, and that is when Hansel and Gretel comes out. Um, the ah, old fairy tale. is that and where that story came from? Yep, absolutely. That's where they believe the uh, the story of the gingerbread house was popularised and eventually became a Christmas tradition, uh, not just in, in Germany, but right across the whole of uh, Europe. Well, I wonder how many of our listeners actually build gingerbread houses or make gingerbread men and stuff. Uh, as you said that you basically have gingerbread all year round, I really only see it at, around the Christmas holidays. And not too much after that. I mean, obviously, some people bake it, but uh, you don't see it uh, like you do other types of cookies and biscuits around here. So, but it's still popular all year round in your country, huh? Yeah, um, because they do believe, a lot of historians certainly believe, um, that uh, the, the big epicenter of gingerbread initially in North America was Pennsylvania because there was a large number of, of German immigrants there. Um, and it was because of them it started to gain popularity as a Christmas tree decoration. 
you know, it's amazing. And, and of course, Germany is also the reason why we have Christmas trees. Uh, that's another tradition that started there. And boy, we're, are we going to have a long podcast on that one? So, <laughs> but I'd be, again, I'd be interested to hear from our listeners. Do you, you, do you make gingerbread and do you make the hard gingerbread or do you make the more like honey gingerbread, which is more soft and pliable and easier to build houses with or a combination? I'd uh, love to hear some interesting stories about gingerbread houses and what, what, some of our listeners do about this. This is such a fascinating subject. And here again, it's amazing how one thing coming out of Germany has spread so rapidly throughout the whole world. Because, well, and of course, that came over with the spices. I mean, that's when we started working with things like you had mentioned earlier, the cinnamon and cardamom and, and different spices to create gingerbread. Yeah, I'm really glad you mentioned that because the number of people I speak to who really love gingerbread and love to cook it, everyone seems to have a slightly different way of doing it. You know, they have their own favorite flavors or their own little extra something that they like to add to their recipe. Um, and I think that's a wonderful thing because it really helps to personalize it and, you know, adds that, that little extra something to it. And of course, at the holidays, it's always fun to have the kids help you decorate the gingerbread men or, or gingerbread uh, women and to, you know, bake these cookies with, with them and help cut them out and what have you. I mean, that's a tradition, again, that we just love to see every year. And I, I certainly enjoy finding a plate of gingerbread cookies when I visit your home. <laughs> so any other thoughts on this Tom? Yeah, only to say that you know the wonderful thing about gingerbread um, particularly for people who are sort of cultural historians is the fact that there are so many different traditions that are connected with it all the way across Europe. Um, in Sweden for instance people will prepare their gingerbread house on St Lucy's Day um, and yet in Norway um, it tends to be something that is right the way through December. Um, and they have uh, what's known as the Pepperkakabayan, which is Norwegian for the gingerbread village. And um, you tend to find that that's something that is a tradition there. People can add uh, their own gingerbread house to the gingerbread city. So is, it, is that kind of like a festival that goes on? Yeah, that's right. If you're a child under the age of 12, you can make a house and you can add it to the, uh, the gingerbread community uh, there in Norway. So, I mean, that's been a tradition there for a long time. Oh, wow. Do a lot of people take part in that? I think so, yeah. I mean, it seems to be a, a, a huge thing in, in uh, Norway. And it's one of those things, I guess, that has become popular. The Paparkakebayen apparently is the world's largest um, gingerbread city, but I'm sure there are lots of other places that we'd like to, to rival their crown. Now, now, when you talk about gingerbread city, I mean, does like every shop make their own gingerbread on, uh, or have their own variation? Well, as far as I know, um, there are all sorts of different additions that are being made. I mean, I, I guess organizations and companies as well as individuals. Um, but, uh, you know, let's not forget, of course, that this is exactly the same in North America. You have um, 
in San Francisco, you have those uh, two great hotels, the Fairmont and the St. Francis Hotel, uh, and they always have a hugely elaborate gingerbread house every Christmas season. You know, they're, famously, they rival each other to see who's going to have the most impressive one. And there have been some massive houses and some massive gingerbread men made. Uh, I think the Guinness World Record is actually held in Oslo, Norway, and it was uh, a 1,400-pound gingerbread man, and it was baked all at once in, in what had to be a, just an enormous oven. I think it was like 24 feet long. So, yeah, you can do <laughs> amazing things with gingerbread. So... <laughs> And I'd love to hear again from our listeners, how do you use gingerbread? And do you make houses every year or do you go visit contests? I know a lot of churches out here will have local contests as well on that. So there's another tradition that we love to see every year. And it's, it's kind of fun. And if you ever do get the chance to visit Asheville, North Carolina in November, you definitely should put the uh, Omni um, Grove Park in on your list of things to visit. Uh, Mary and I saw it one time and we were just blown away by the intricacy and the um, variety of these gingerbread houses and just the tremendous amount of work that goes into them. So it, it's certainly something that to put on your bucket list to see. It must be said, uh, while we've discussed Norway having their annual tradition of uh, a gingerbread village, it would be remiss of me not to mention that it's the USA that holds the Guinness record for the largest gingerbread village baked by a single person. And that is the executive sous chef at the New York Marriott Marquis Hotel, who's a, a, a gentleman called John Lovitch. Um, and he was responsible for building a village with 135 residential and 22 commercial buildings. And that has been currently <laughs> displayed at the New York Hall of Science. And uh, it's been recognized now, I think, as being the, the Guinness World Record holder. Well, and I was <laughs> a lot smaller than that, but I was going to mention the one that's done at the White House every year. Every year they build a, a, an elaborate gingerbread house in the White House which, you know, everybody loves to see and is filmed often and put on the, like YouTube and different channels. So you should look those up as well. Some beautiful structures and boy, that is just amazing. How many buildings? 135 residential buildings and 22 commercial buildings, but that's not including the train and the cable car. Oh, good heavens. <laughs> oh, good heaven. And I thought, I thought I did a lot with the uh, porcelain department 56 buildings. Man, that's, <laughs> well, just goes to show you, you know, how inventive people can get when, they, when you were talking about food. <laughs> of course, who would ever eat or want to eat or even take a piece of one of those once they're built? Too, too pretty to break apart. Absolutely. I mean, some of these, are just the most incredibly uh, well-designed and beautifully decorated structures, and you wouldn't want to eat them. And, and again, I, you know, uh, I mentioned YouTube, but I invite our listeners to go on YouTube and look up the competition at the Grove Park. And 
because boy, I'll tell you, you would see some amazing, amazing um, gingerbread homes and or houses uh, that were done for this competition. And it's just, man, it's just incredible. So, well, I'll tell you, you've made me hungry. I think I'm going to go have a couple chocolate chip cookies now. Well, that's the amazing thing, isn't it? Because it's one of those things you can enjoy eating it. You can enjoy building with it. There's just no end to what you can do with gingerbread. And again, you know, things to do with the kids. Oh, kids love to bake. And boy, I'll tell you, you know, making like gingerbread men. And again, you can hang these on your tree. I'd let them dry for at least 24 hours, but you can hang them on your tree. You can decorate your house with them. There's all kinds of fun things that the kids would really enjoy doing. So if you haven't started making gingerbread as a tradition every year, I strongly recommend you try it. Not to mention, if you need some help getting rid of them, just uh, just give Tom and I a call. We'll we'll come by. Yes, indeed. Yes, because I would recommend that anyone check out all the different traditions of gingerbread through the centuries, because you never know what you might want to add to your own list of Christmas traditions. And that's what we're all about here at Traditionally Speaking. Well, Tom, this has been a lot of fun. And boy, I'll tell you, I, I hope to hear some comments from our listeners and find out some more things that we didn't know. Um, because it, as you said, this dates all the way back, all the way back to the Christ child. That just blows me away. So that that's just amazing. But but certainly do stay tuned for more podcast topics like this and you're going to learn a lot about some of our traditions and where they came from and it might just surprise you so <laughs> so thanks for joining us once again yes thank you very much everyone for coming along and thank you for listening it's been great to be with you today and make sure you tune in for our next podcast you never know what we're going to talk about next <laughs> take care everyone god bless Thank you, Joe, and thanks everyone for tuning in. Speak to you soon.